Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 346. This is 2 Kings 14 and I'm going to read from 2 Chronicles 25 as well because it added a lot more detail in regard to a battle um, that was fought. So we're talking in this lesson about King Amaziah and just as a reminder he's the king of Judah which is the southern kingdom. The capital is Samaria. Now his father was King Joash now, according to my study Bible, Joash reigned 40 years, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Amaziah comes on the scene. Um, remember, Joash was murdered by his own officials. And so one of the first things that Amaziah decides to do after establishing himself in the position of king, he decides to avenge the assassins who had killed his father and so he does that he has them killed and you know this account says that king amaziah did what was pleasing in the lord's sight but not like his ancestor david so he was not a great king but not a horrible king sort of in between it says though it does make an a point to mention that even though he had those assassins that killed his father murdered, he didn't go so far as to killing their descendants. And it says apparently because he cared about the law of Moses. So that tells us something about his character or his values, values, uh, maybe tells us where his heart is, but um, we shall see. It, like I said, he's not a good king. Um, but he's not so bad. And I think that's why it makes that point in the scripture. Later, it talks about how he kills 10,000 Edomites. Now, that's the land that's southeast of Judah. And that account is given in both 2 Kings 14 and 2 Chronicles 25, but it's much more descriptive in 2 Chronicles 25. So I'm just going to read part of that account. So we can get more detail. It says, then, then Amaziah organized the army, assigning generals and captains for all Judah and Benjamin. He took a census and found that he had an army of 300,000 select troops, 20 years old and older, all trained in the use of spear and shield. He also paid about 7,500 pounds of silver to hire 100,000 experienced fighting men from Israel. But a man of God came to him and said, Your majesty, do not hire troops from Israel, for the Lord is not with Israel. He will not help those people of Ephraim. If you let them go with your troops into battle, you will be defeated by the enemy no matter how well you fight. God will overthrow you, for he has the power to help you or to trip you up. Amaziah asks the man of God, But what about all that silver I paid to hire the army of Israel? The man of God replied, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah discharged the hired troops and sent them back to Ephraim. This made them very angry with Judah, and they returned home in a great rage. So because that extra detail is given later in Second Chronicles 25, we sort of understand the following events a little bit more. I think it's really interesting to think that he was going to pay troops from Israel to fight the Edomites with him. You know, it kind of tells us that because God was 
angry with those people. He was not with them at that time. He would not give them victory. So it wasn't just that God would not give victory to his own people, the Israelites, but anyone who utilized those troops would not see victory. Um, even though he had many other troops, he would not have victory if he had ties with those Israelite troops. That's really interesting, isn't it? Um, so we need to make sure we have the right allies. I think that's a good takeaway for that, right? So he ends up having success. Oh, it also points out, by the way, that he didn't just kill 10,000 Edomites. He also captured another 10,000 and took them to the top of a cliff and threw them off, dashing them to pieces on the rocks below. Now that's very graphic and, um, you know, a horrible visualization of that, but this is war and that's how it played. And the only reason it bothers me as I read it is because details are given and so you can visualize it. But we read about battle after battle after battle and it's ruthless. So what happens later, and this makes, like I said, it sheds light onto the coming events. And it says that um, the hired troops that Amaziah sent home were upset Right, So they come back and they raid the towns of Judah between Samaria and Beth Horon while Judah is off fighting the battle. Okay, So they kill 3,000 people and carried off great quantities of plunder. It says, when King Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought home with him idols from the people of Seir. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down in front of them, and offered sacrifices to them. So... He probably was upset because he felt duped. God told him he couldn't use these troops, and so he didn't. He sent them away, and then his reward for that obedience was that 3,000 of his people were killed and everything was plundered. So, yeah, he's upset. And I think at just in his rage and his frustration, he decides to turn to these other gods. This made the Lord... Very angry, of course, that he was bowing down to these other gods and making sacrifices to them. The prophet comes and says, why do you turn to gods who could not even save their own people from you? His response in his anger to the prophet of God, he says, who made you counselor? Be quiet before I have you killed. Okay, so now the unnamed prophet says, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and you have refused to accept my counsel. So he had had some success with these Edomites and he gets a little too big for his britches and prideful and he picks a fight with King Jehoash, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. So when he does that, he says, come and meet me in battle. Then King Jehoash's response is sort of a metaphor. He tells this story. He says, Out of the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then, a wild animal of Lebanon came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. So what he's saying is he's comparing Judah to a thistle. And he's comparing his nation, Israel, to the mighty cedar tree. And he's basically saying, don't get, don't get too full of yourself. I know you had some success with Edom, but don't let your pride cloud your judgment. It is not a good idea for you to try to go to war against me. He says, why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? Amaziah is like, oh yeah, watch me. I can have success over you. 
He refuses to listen to that warning. Um, so they go to war and King Jehoash ends up capturing King Amaziah at Beth Shemesh. And then he marches to Jerusalem where he demolishes, he and his men, I assume, demolished 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall. That's big. And he carries off all the gold and silver and all the articles from the temple of the Lord. He also seized the treasures from the royal palace along with hostages and then returned to Samaria. So King Amaziah was warned. He started out good. Um, he got a little too big for his britches. He got mad because I think he felt duped by the prophet of God because the people that he sent away and because remember the prophet of God said to him after he said, but I paid them a bunch of silver and the prophet of God said, don't worry about that. Let it go because the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Now, if he had not bowed to that other God and got angry and felt duped and, uh, you know, felt justified, I'm sure, in that action, God would have given him more than this. But his pride got in the way, and his frustration and his anger and his impatience got in the way, and he did something that was so upsetting to God. So he changed the story, unfortunately. Later in 2 Kings 14, we learn that King Amaziah lived for 15 years after the death of Jehoash of Israel. And apparently there was a conspiracy against his life in Jerusalem, and so he fled to Lachish. But it says his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. Now, the Second Chronicles account gives a little more detail and lets us know who his enemies were. In verse 27, of Second Chronicles 25, it says, After Amaziah turned away from the Lord, there was a conspiracy against his life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. So this clarifies what's happened here. Because he started out good. Remember, he cared about the law of Moses, and then he was bowing other gods. And so he turned from God, and the people of Jerusalem the people that he ruled, they turned on him because he turned away from God and they had him killed. So after he was killed, his son Uzziah will become the next king and we'll read about Uzziah in the next lesson. But meanwhile, Jehoash died. He was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel and his son Jeroboam II became the next king. So he begins to rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. And he will reign for 41 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. I like what it says, and this is what I'll close with. Um, it says he refused to turn from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, his namesake, apparently. And... Oh, but it says in verse 25, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo, Hamath, and the Dead Sea. So he did recover the land. And just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Geth-Hafer. So this is exciting because we're going to get to the story of Jonah soon. I love that story. And so this kind of introduces Jonah just slightly, a little hint. But verse 26 is what I love. It says, For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. 
And because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, to save them. So, there was no one there. There was no King David. There was no Moses. There were no good men that God could count on. There were lots of people, but God saw no one worthy of saving them or helping them or delivering them. And that's that's a testament to the culture and how far the people in general have slipped away from God. So, but I love that even though there was no one, God keeps his promises. And because he promised, he made that covenant that he would not blot out the name of Israel completely, where the king of David's lineage will lead to Jesus Christ. So God is a man of his word and he keeps his promises. And he decided in the absence of anyone else, he would use Jeroboam II to save them. So I love that. Um, I think definitely the takeaway here is that we can learn from King Amaziah. He gets a little haughty. He gets a little full of himself. He has a little bit of success and he goes crazy with it. Um, But he also felt a little duped by these Israelite troops that he sent away and they came back and caused him a lot of grief and that made him turn from God um, in a big way. And so that caused trouble, not just for him, but for all of the people in the Southern kingdom in the land of Judah. So we need to be patient. If God makes a promise to us, if he says, Hey, um, let this go because God can give you so much more. We have to know that that is true and we have to be patient. And sometimes the way that God brings about goodness is through bad things is through trials. And we have to remember that, God does work in a way that he wants to bless us. And sometimes it doesn't look like that to us as we're going through trials. But we have to remember that what God has in store for us at the end of it all is so much better. And if we just be patient and we just trust him and we go through these trials and remain in relationship with him, uh, there is much to be gained not just in this world, but in the everlasting life that we will have with God. So that's definitely the takeaway that we need to be patient and we need to trust him. Yes, common theme. That's really it for today. I hope you all have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.